This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swin. This is the Icon. This is the 89.1 Kansas FM Monday night from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Join me, Randy Holster, Matthias, and the Big Swing for the hottest interviews with interesting guests from film, literature, sports, and more. The Attitude Era Monday live Monday. And we are here on 89.1 Kens FM. This is the Icon, and I do have all my friends here. I'll bring them on here in a second. For some reason, our theme song didn't play this week, but we'll check that out. doesn't matter. No problem. Everything is fine. Let me uh, see if my friends are available. Is Granny there, please? Yeah, I'm here. All right. And uh, we have a special guest co-host tonight, and it's, uh, the return of Scott Hand. How are you, sir? I'm good, Scott. Glad to be back with you tonight, buddy. All right. Well, uh, just so we don't confuse anybody, uh, you're Scott. I'm Icon, and uh, that's Granny Hulkster. And Matthias is on temporary assignment this week, so he will not be joining us. And, of course, Big Swing is covering the All-Star game, that lucky guy, so he won't be with us tonight. So it's going to be just the three of us hanging out and having a good time. So we're going to catch everybody up on what everybody's been up to. We'll introduce and tell everybody who our guests are this week. Our first guest will be, of course, James Enders. He's a artist. He's a painter. He's currently working on a painting featuring the icon, Granny Hulkster, Big Swing, and the modern nightmare Matthias. Since we all can't seem to ever get together for a picture, he's making a picture, a portrait, if you will, of all of us together that we can hang here in the studio. We're going to have Logan Xavier. He's an independent wrestler. We're going to go back to our roots, as they say, talking to Logan. And we have Brent Gaskin, who's going to be in a film that I'm going to be involved in, as long also Matthias, called The Black Tent. And we're going to have uh, Scott here talk to us about that in just a little bit. But first, Granny, what is up with you? Well, I had a busy weekend, you know, like always. But, you know, it was good. Went to a wrestling show uh, yesterday in Tulsa for Wrestling for a Cause. Had a good turnout. Uh, It was the fight for Draven. They did a show for this little young man, eight years old. He's fighting leukemia. So it was a good turnout. But last week, you know, you know, guys, we didn't have a show last week, you know, because of 4th of July. So Granny had a very exciting weekend the weekend before. I got to, I had the honor and privilege to be able to pick up Bobby Fulton and Ron Simmons at our local airport and take them to a show last Saturday for Down South Championship Wrestling. And that was so awesome. I mean, they were both very appreciative of everything that I did, and they told the promoter, they said, you know, Granny was on time, she was prompt, she was respectful, she went above and beyond and went out of her way to make sure we were taken care of. So it was pretty awesome to get to hang out with those guys. It was pretty awesome to get up to hang out with those guys. You made them cookies, didn't you? No, I did not. 
Okay. All right. I just, well, I just picked him up at the airport and drove him to the show the next day and then took him back to their hotel. So, you know, it was it was fun. All right. Now, Scott, now you uh, have uh, an upcoming movie called The Black Tent, and uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit about that. So go ahead. Tell us a little bit about that and who uh, our audience might know that might be in the film. Well, you know, it's been a it's been a long development process for this one. You know, I think I told you before I wanted to make this a few years ago, but uh, you know, it just it, it wasn't happening. I had I had to do you know some other things to kind of get a little bit more known and prove that I was worthy. So I did a couple of short films and then my feature film, Lycaean, which is in the final stages of post production. Now we're in music scoring, so I think we're going to be in good shape to get that into screenings this fall finally. And as far as Black Tent goes. We have Brent Gaskins tonight that we're going to be talking to. He's in the movie, all right? And I think we've already had – I think Christina Leto was already in, on here too, wasn't she? I think we had her and Ivy Dominique and Michelle Brown Houston and, of course, Nadia Steele. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, we had, had, uh, we had a whole show dedicated uh, to yeah. the Black Tent. As a matter yes. of fact, this yes. is uh, you're the you're the first guest that we've had that is now part of the – Elite Six Timers Club on the show. You're the first <laughs> guest to ever appear on the show six times. Wow. <laughs> I'm honored. I am truly honored. Thank you. Thank you for having me all these times. And since you've been on here six times, then what, well, I guess maybe I shouldn't go too far. That must mean you like me because you, you keep coming back when I ask you, which is well. Nice. Well, you're going to have a little, you have a part in our movie, The Black Ten, so I would say so. I think that's a safe Assumption. <laughs> and if you remember, uh, I don't know, Granny, were you honest with that episode, or were you were you gone that that night that we had all the cast members from Black Tent on? Were you here? I can't remember if you were here or not. I don't think I was on that night. I think that was during the time that I had to take some weeks off due to personal issues. So. And the interesting thing about that particular episode. The feedback that we got from that episode was amazing. You know, Scott, one thing that everybody said about that particular uh, episode, they said, Icon, you sure know how to sell. (laughs) You do. And everybody's – and then I had a couple people say – everybody said the same thing. Everybody said, I know how to sell, and they also – some had some wisecrack remarks like, so, Icon, you know how to sell, but they weren't buying it, were they? <laughs> so those, those are the kind of things that I, uh, those are the kind of things I, uh, I got uh, feedback after the, that episode. And it's been one of our biggest episodes to date, as a matter of fact. I don't think we've ever had that many different guests on one episode since, before or since that mm-hmm. episode, which was really fun because I think we had what? Six, seven, eight people on with us that night? Probably. But it was quite a few, yeah. Maybe, I think six. I think he had six. Right. And, you know, they, directors talk about films being their baby. And I know I've asked you about this before, but for those fans that weren't listening that night, this is this project is your baby, as you would say, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. This one's very special to me, very dear to me. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And if I if I'm not mistaken, I 
I believe I well I know that I have a part in the film, which is which is really you awesome. Do. I can't wait to uh film that and I believe that Matthias is also gonna be in it as well in some capacity. That is also true, yes. And are we allowed to talk about when you when you want to shoot for filming or to start filming? Yeah, we're looking at an October shoot. Uh, it, it's the project's changed a little bit. Um, we we have brought on another producer, a very good producer, um, you know, uh, uh, who actually happens to be an old friend of mine from way back. Uh, he's very into movies, and uh, he's in a very good spot, good place in life right now. Uh, and I came to him with this, and um, Craig, and I said, Craig, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And he said, well, you know, you know, let me, let's see what you got. You know, and I sent him everything and we had some very good, you know, very, very creative means, but you know, he's a you know, very creative guy. Very, and he likes to be a collaborator. You know, Craig has always been that way. And so I knew bringing Craig one would be the right person. You know, it would help steer it even in the, uh, you know, he would find some, you know, things that, you know, me as the sole writer director may have overlooked, which he has and steering it along. And, and we're actually uh, doing a rewrite right now, and it's, it's really turning out super. I mean, we, we really had a, a great script, I believe, I truly do, um, but it's, it's, just getting, it's just gotten better. I mean, the whole thing is just, ever, you know, it's just, it just keeps getting better, this project. It gets more exciting. It's like, you know, you get these, like there's a time there, it's like you, you think it's never going to happen, and then all of a sudden it's going to happen, and the reality just hits you, and you're like, I can't believe it. I've been trying to do this for four years, and now's the time finally. It's, it's really going to happen. You know, it's really exciting. And you know, the other cool thing is, I, I know you don't want to admit this, but when you told uh, uh, when you you told Craig that the icon was going to be in, and he uh, he's like, "Hey, let's just get this done," you know, because you told him I was going to be in it. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, that's all I'm going to be in. He hasn't slept since. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, that, that's that's cool. Uh, we got about five minutes before our first uh, guest calls in, so I want to give everybody a little update on the icon. What I've been up to, as everybody knows, the icon has brought a recently bought a new house with his loving wife, and we are now homeowners. Yes, and unfortunately, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Money Pit, but uh, our our house has not been like that it hasn't been falling apart around us like they like happened in money pit but what has been happening is the well let's just say the disaster of moving our stuff and it has not exactly been wine and roses as they say we're we're slow we're slowly getting things put away and I'm slowly working on that honey do list. Getting things done and learning how much fun being a homeowner is but when you have to start doing work in the house, it becomes more of a job, a more of a chore than actually just having the fun of the realtor handling the key saying, Congratulations, here's your house. Now you gotta do this, this, that, the other. So I guess I was prepared for that, but I had no idea how fast I'd have to get prepared for that. Also, not to uh, not to be a Debbie Downer here, 
I found out that uh, starting on Friday, I need, uh, I have had a little bit of a cancer issue, and I need to go in Friday for more cancer screening, and I'll give everybody updates on Monday. And like I say, I'm not going to dwell on this because I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer here because this is a happy show, and I'm not going to have my health issues be the main focus because that's just just not what I'm about. However, everybody knows that who's been listening to us over the last six, seven years knows that the icon is a fighter and he will step up to the challenge, whatever it is, and I will take my pitches and hit most of them out of the ballpark. I may have a few foul tips, but I do plan on fighting through this, and I am going to be a sole survivor in this when it comes to taking cancer at its wits. It's like the icon versus cancer, and the icon is going to win this match. I'm going to pin it to the mat for the one, two, three, and no one's going to stop me. I, I, I might ask for some outside interference, but I'm going to get it taken care of, and no one's going to stop me on that. You'll do it. I have confidence in you. You'll do it. And I, I know that uh, uh, Granny, you know, I, I always talk about uh, you making cookies, and, uh, you know, uh, if I can win this battle, maybe you'll make me a nice batch of cookies. Well, what's your favorite kind? <laughs> well, 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 let me ask you this. What, what do you think? Probably chocolate chip. I am a, I am either, uh, I'll give you my top three, uh, chocolate chip, sugar cookie, or uh, M&M's. Uh, those, those are my top three. And if you really want to get into the weeds, a peanut butter chocolate chip M&M cookie. My, oh, wow. my, grandma, my grandmother used to make those for me. She said, what kind of cookie you want? Well, I like this. I like this. She said, okay, fine. I'll just put them all together, and then you'll like it. <laughs> and I did like it, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, we got a few minutes here before our, our first guest calls in. It's going to be James Enders. He's an artist. He's going to tell us about some of the stuff that he's done and painted. Can't wait to talk to him about our upcoming painting that he's making for us. Granny, have you ever been involved in Have you ever been on a painting? Um, no, I've never really been on a painting. I mean, I've had a lot of people take pictures of me, but I don't think I've ever, I've never been a part of a, a paint, an actual painting. Well, you know, you, you and Scott have one thing in common. You guys have uh, both been on baseball cards thanks to the icon. This is yeah. true, yes. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I love, you know, I'll tell you what, Scott, we'll talk about this in a little while when uh, 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 Brent's on, but uh, that one picture I used of you in the corner where you look like Shane McMahon was really awesome. It looks like our first <laughs> guest is ready, so we're going to take a quick little commercial break. We'll be back after these messages, so stick with us and stay tuned for our first guest after these messages. The new Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. <coughs> Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by Trust Score. 
Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. As a matter of fact, he just repainted the green room. He's got his paint. He's got his brushes. And he's going to tell us all about artistry. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man himself. He is an artist among artists. He is James Enders. Hey, this is uh, James Enders, the pop art guru. You're listening to the Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the modern-day nightmare, Matthias, and the big swing. Hey, James, how are you? Welcome to the show, buddy. Good. I'm up in um, Massachusetts right now. All right, I want to introduce you to uh, my, my co-host. We have uh, Scott Hand, and we have Granny Hulkster, and we have myself, uh, Matthias, and uh, Big Swing are on temporary assignment, so they're not with us tonight, but we're good to have you here, and we're going to have some fun with you tonight. Of course. <laughs> All right, so here's how we're going to do this here, James. Uh, we're going to have, have, have you give us a little background about yourself, then uh, we'll do a – I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll do a roundtable. Then we'll come back to me. I'll ask you uh, some tougher questions, and we'll see if we can't get you down with Scott, maybe doing one of his uh, next movie posters or something like that. Okay, cool. All right, so give us a little background, James. Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a fourth-generation painter. My uh, great-grandfather actually used to work for uh, Henry Ford on the Prince of Wales line, and then later uh, – Brought him from uh, Cadillac over to Ford when he started Ford. He used to hand pinstripe the Cadillacs with uh, 24 karat gold leaf. And then my uh, grandfather uh, used to paint uh, the race cars for the Indianapolis 500 for uh, North Electric. That was the Bob Christie car from uh, 1948 till 1963. That was the number six uh, car, the top six car in the Indianapolis 500, uh, one of the cars that's in the Indianapolis uh, Racing Hall of Fame, and one in the Smithsonian, I believe. That's awesome. So now, when you when you first started painting, did uh, did your parents buy you a paint set and say, uh, uh, go, uh, go paint everything, just not the chair or the couch or the fridge? Well, my father was a sign painter, so uh, actually I would go to work with them since I was, like, old enough to walk. So it was, like, uh, I actually had, like, the people had their puppy in the doghouse. I had the puppy in the sign shop. So I would go, you know, with them to different places and paint race cars and all kinds of stuff, you know. So I, like, learned hands-on, and then, you know, I had the good opportunity to have some good teachers in my life, and, and it was kind of like being in the right place at the right time. And in ninth grade, I actually had uh, John Rodakowski, and that's the father of uh, the famous supermodel, Emily Rodakowski, was my ninth grade uh, art teacher. That's awesome. Now, I, I, can, I can just imagine in your man cave, you must have maybe 500 canvases. You have... A thousand paint brushes. You have maybe a thousand different colors of paint. Is that pretty accurate or not really? I actually have uh, three art studios. I have one where I make all of my like metal work. I also do sculptures and stuff. So that's like a two thousand square foot warehouse with my boats and my bikes and 
my jukeboxes and all kinds of crap. And then uh, when I have one in my house, I have a collector. So, you know, almost 30 years of having an art gallery, so I collect everything from Picasso to Salvador Dali. You know, so I'm just immersed in art all the time. You know, so it's like a subconscious thing. So when you're when you're painting, what what song do you play on the jukebox? Do you play uh, Unchained Melody and reenact scenes from Ghost, or do you like are you like inspired by like ACDC? What is generally on your jukebox when you're creating? I kind of like a lot of different stuff. I like to like mellow out and listen to some reggae. And I like to listen to you know, Zach Wild from uh, Black Label Society. And Kind of like all over the place with music. Used to work in the music industry, like with the uh, Takedown Records in Philadelphia. That was like the, one of the like subsidiaries, like Rockefeller with like Jay Z and stuff. Gene Siegel and everything. Kind of all over the place when it comes to everything. When it comes to music. <laughs> uh, James Andrews, I guess you're on 89.1 Kens FM. We got 24 minutes here with James. Well, I'll tell you what, James, let's go ahead and do a roundtable. First off, let's uh, talk to Granny first. Granny, we have our guest, James Enders. Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So as a painter, I'm sure you get very creative with some of your ideas. I mean, I'm not much of an artist myself, but... I remember, you know, watching, my dad used to love to watch Bob Ross, you know, paint the the happy little trees and the happy little accidents, you know. And I remember my son, when he was little, he would stand at the refrigerator and pretend like he was painting happy little trees. (laughs) He says, oops, there's a happy little accident. He, He would talk just like Bob Ross. And so what was one of your biggest challenges as a painter you know, whether it was trying to come up with really something creative or just something out of the ordinary that maybe you would like to do that you've never done? On 2012, I actually painted the president for the uh, presidential campaign for Obama in 2012. That took like six months to create that thing. That was entirely all glitter, seven foot tall. And they actually wow. used it for part of the campaign and everything. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That is cool. James Enders is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We have 22 minutes here with uh, Mr. Enders. And uh, I'll tell you what, James, we're going to talk about the little painting that you're doing for the show here. But first off, I want to introduce you to uh, Scott Hand. He's a director. And uh, now, Scott, you I, I know that you usually hire uh, people to – do your movie posts and everything, but uh, what do you look for in an artist when it comes to making your uh, movie posters? And, James, have you ever done movie posters? And uh, maybe you guys could collaborate a little bit. I've done a couple uh, album covers for, like, uh, the old band Spam, and then I did another one for, like, No Hate, and then I had uh, Pat Romero from Santana. He wanted me to do an album cover for him. I haven't done any uh, music uh, movie posters yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the key word, right? <laughs> kind of like all over the place because the people that are in the know know who I am, and I could still walk around, you know, 
antique market and still buy good stuff for cheap because not everybody knows me. It's a different kind of celebrity being an artist, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Scott, you got a question for our guest? Go ahead. I, I'll tell you this. Your name's James, right? Um, my mentor, yes, his name was James as well, Jim Demuse. He was a, a local painter and artist for many years here. So my style uh, and, you know, my visions for making movies and all is very much inspired by him. Uh, he had done the poster for my first short film. And at the time of his death, he was actually working on a poster for another one of my pictures. So when we were doing uh, for Lycaean, you know, and we needed a one sheet for that. I was working with a fella, and he was doing a lot with, uh, you know, the standard photo collage and all, which I'm not crazy about. Uh, but he came up with a really good poster that we've gone with. Everybody was excited. It pops. But with Black Tent, we have a promotional poster, but we are definitely going to be looking for a, something more elaborate, you know, for the next one. And I, I'm not a big fan on the photo collage, so I kind of really do like the, uh, you know, the um, – the painted posters like they used to do, you know, like, you know, I'm talking back in the seventies and the eighties and all that. So, I mean, it's uh, something that, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would be interested in talking with you, you know, about uh, okay. possibly doing it for us, you know, so probably after the show or whatever, we can exchange information and uh, take it from there. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I usually uh, do everything by hand and then say if I do something for like a higher end magazine, like, tablet magazine in New York or whatnot, then I uh, I digitize it and make it like, you know, 200, 300 DPI, high resolution, and then I convert it to digital. Mm -hmm. It sounds good. Yeah. I'd definitely be interested in talking with you about it. So, James, uh, you're actually working on a uh, painting for uh, Attitude Era Live, correct? Pardon? You're, you're uh, working on a painting for our show, uh, the way I understand it. Yes, I just uh, completed it, and I sent you a picture over. All right. I, uh, you, you sent I it am. on Messenger, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll have to check that out. Wow. I Hey, you actually made me look good. That, yeah, I made you look that, like uh, Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually hard to do. Make me look good. Uh, there's there's Matthias. There's Big Swing. There's Granny. There's uh, myself. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, we'll have to. Uh, we'll, t- we'll definitely talk about uh, uh, pricing, and I'll make payments on that and everything, which would be cool. When you when you're presented with an idea, let's say that someone comes up to you and they say, "Hey, I need a picture. I need a painting of a." of a forest or an ocean scene, do you, do you kind of pick their brain on what they're looking for, or do you just kind of go ahead and make the, uh, uh, just use your own ideas and then hope they approve of it later on? I just kind of take the idea and I sort of like run with it and I, you know, create it and, you know, juxtapose it the way that I want it you know, a different thought the way that I want, you know, kind of like what? what they call automatism, like Picasso and Joan Miro and all those guys, you know, they basically just come up with this 
you know, these paintings like like nothing, and it just kind of like comes to me. So I kind of created is, it in my head as I go. What is the most dif- difficult style to paint? Uh, I mean, realism kind of like comes easy for me, so I like to paint like abstract expressionism, but then I, I also paint like, you know, abstract like cubism, like Picasso too, so. But then I also do a little bit of like uh, like plain air painting or like impressionism, and that's kind of hard to do sometimes. Because kind of like, like the light changes, you know, like say if the sun's like going down, then the light and the shadowing changes, you know, so it's like you're constantly adjusting that. And it's like your first impression of what you see, you know, kind of thing. So. Now, is there a uh, is there a style that you prefer to work with? Like, do you prefer to work with paints? Do you like working with colored pencils, crayons, uh, charcoal? Is is there, or pottery, clay, is there a style that you prefer more so than the others, or is it pretty much equal? Well, they've come out with a lot of new paints, like, in the past few years, where, like, these new acrylics, they dry faster, but they have, like, the texture and the, and the you know, heavy and pesto-like oil. So you can kind of get the same effect as oil, but it doesn't take, you know, years to dry. <laughs> you know, oil paint never actually dries. It just, like, gets, like, a, a crack line in it. You know, like, so if you look at, like, the Mona Lisa, it'll, you'll see, like, little cracks and stuff in it. Like, the paint really never dries. It's just probably has to be fixed, you know, and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I never, I, ne- I guess I never who, uh, knew that. So if if it doesn't dry, then what it, what would uh, someone do then to protect the painting so it doesn't get like smeared or scratched or whatever? Well, they they put like a like a Japanese oil in it, so then it it helps dry, but it take it you know it takes a little bit of time for it to actually dry to the point where like old older painters like in the sixties they would paint a painting and they would say if you bring the painting back in a year we'll guarantee this to be DeMar varnished because they couldn't put the varnish on because the paint was still like dry <laughs> do you what when, when you're when you're painting or whether you're using watercolor or well finger paint or acrylic paint or oil paint is there a particular type of paint that you prefer over the others? Like, would you just like using oil paints or finger paint? Well, I like any to, kind of I like paint. To use a, I like to use acrylic, but then I, you know, what I basically do is I don't like to give out all my secrets. And then I'll say it's acrylic and mixed media. And I won't tell them, like, you know, hey, I use oil in there and I use charcoal in there and whatnot, you know. You know, the other thing is, uh, as an artist, as an artist, you know, every every artist seems to have their own style. And I don't know if there's there's different names for it or anything, but if you had to give your art name a style, what would you call your style? Kind of more or less known for, like, my neo-modernist pop art that I do. In my earlier in my career, they used to compare me a lot to like, you know, the famous artist, late artist uh, Keith Haring, 
you know, he was from up in Pennsylvania and then went to New York. Did a lot of stuff for like Swatch and had his own shop up there and did a lot of music videos and stuff. And uh yeah, so but I'm definitely not Keith Haring. Like people just never saw anything that they could compare it to. So they would say, Oh, he's the next Keith Haring, he's the next Andy Warhol but you know, I'm not trying to be those guys, I'm myself, you know. James Enders. Well, with that being said, though, do you uh, do you get offended when someone compares you to another artist, or is that like, wow, I never, I never, I never thought that? It's it's example, man. I mean, like New York Times called me like the next Andy Warhol and 21st Century American Picasso and all that stuff. So I mean, it's all it's all a compliment, you know. I think. I don't really like to use the the saying uh, "art is in the eye of the beholder" because I think it's kind of cliche. But I guess people see what they see in my art, and then they may say, "Oh, oh, I think I see Picasso or I see Andy Warhol." So that's fine, you know. <laughs> so when you're when you're painting or creating something, do you do you just like just like start putting the brush to canvas, or do you plan it out? And take it out for a couple of days or a week before you you put brush to canvas, or do you just just take off with it and someone says I need this and then you just go for it? It's funny. One of my friends, uh, Joe Stevens, said once the guy asked him uh, how long did it take to create that painting, and he said uh, it took 21 years for me to come up with that idea. So, I mean. European artists, they kind of confuse art with literary works, whereas Americans, we can create the stuff from the beginning to end, and it kind of evolves. So I think that's like a great aspect of American art is that we can start start it from the beginning to the finish, and it'll actually evolve into what it's going to become, you know. James Enders, our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM. For those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, like that. Go to 89.1 Kent FM page on Facebook, like that. Do a $10 month donation to Power Tower. We'll get you automatically called upon to win an autographed picture from a past guest, current guest, or future guest. Now, James, I don't know if people have asked you to do many autographs, but uh, do you have, like, business cards or, uh, like, uh, like little like little mats or something that you can autograph uh, for our, our listeners that you can send for giveaways? Yeah, I think I sent like seven of them to you. I don't know if you received those or not. But. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, just uh, I I did get those, and I'll tell you what they were they were really really cool. Let me ask you this: Do you did you do you remember the first thing that you ever painted or created, and what was it? Uh, actually, like, when I was a kid, I used to make this little, like, comic book, and it had, like, all the Santa, Santa Clauses from around the world. I would go down to San Diego to uh, University Town Center. There was, like, a there was like this uh, display of Santa Clauses, and I would sit there as a little kid, and I would draw these different Santa Clauses from around the world, and then I would sell my comic book. That was kind of funny, you know? So, uh... Imagine, like... Somebody actually have it, still having some of these comic books or whatever they like, illustrate. So. <laughs> well, 
do, do you still have that comic book? I don't know, but friends of mine might still have it, you know, somewhere. It might still be floating around. I went to this school called Sky Mountain School. It was kind of like a school for uh, gifted kids based on the theories of, like, Dr. Spock and all that stuff. They used to just basically let all the kids do whatever the heck they wanted to. If they didn't want to do their math, they could go out and build a fort or do, uh, you know, game attack what? or whatnot. <laughs> What 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 is the longest time you ever spent on one creative project? Oh, I never really like. I don't know if I could say this or not, but uh, I never really try and like pour myself out to do certain uh, stuff. So I like I may like just paint something, and then if I don't feel like doing it, then I just like come back to it later, like two years later. So I'm always constantly like doing stuff so i may have like 30 or 40 projects that people don't even know about that i'm still working on you know? <laughs> so on a given day how many hours are you in your studio creating and painting uh, well i usually try and like work it as like a job so sometimes like go in there and work for like eight hours or whatnot I'm always doing and different is, stuff. Is there is some there ever a... like to go ahead? Some days I might like to just go outside and just do sculptures all day long. You know, I may not like feel like painting for that day. You know? And is there ever a day that uh, you're not painting or creating something cool? Eh, I like to go out and like search for antiques. Art too. And I'm an avid collector. I like to look for Picassos and Warhols and shit like that too. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I was going to ask you, and of course, remember, got to do PG language here. One thing I was going to ask you, like when you're when you go to thrift stores and stuff, you know, there's not too many people that know. That there's not too many people that know like different uh, paintings and what they are and who created them. Have you ever went into a like a thrift store, I'm like, oh, oh, wow, that's like a Picasso, or that's like a, this guy, or this guy, and then you like buy it up for like four ninety nine, and then you like flip it for like a couple thousand bucks. Have you ever done that? Yeah, it's kind of like the story of my life, but I kind of like keep my mouth shut. I don't go really go around bragging about it, but yeah, I've actually done it quite a lot, and uh, I was actually on. Uh, NBC for the Picasso documentary, and they had they filmed my hands as if it was Picasso mixing the paint. You know, and that was like syndicated in Channel Ten and Philadelphia and stuff. And I'm you... kind of like a Picasso expert, you know, basically. And I'm friends with a lot of his grandchildren. Do you, do, you, do you own a lot of uh, paintings that you have not done yourself? Do you own a lot of paintings? Yeah, I have like thousands and thousands of paintings. Work my dolly. And... Picasso, De Kooning, and Jackson Pollock, all kinds of stuff. And I don't think I don't th- I don't think this was asked, but if you had to uh, if you had to pick a hero in artistry and painting that inspired you, who would you say would be your hero? Eh, it would probably be Picasso or Jackson Pollock. Did you Did you like the movie about Pollock? 
Yeah. Um, as in, there was another movie they also did where it was about like a truck driver that found one at a thrift store. They That's were going to cool. try and ask me to be part of that, but like I declined because I didn't want to add ridicule to the Pollock that I had found when I was 26, so I still own that, still being authenticated. So they actually That's cool. asked me to be a part of that movie and, and also be a part of the the interview with uh, Peter Paul Byro from uh, that was on 60 Minutes. This is a forensic stuff for that movie too. James Andrews, I guess here. We we only got a few seconds here. James, if our fans want to check out and see, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? I got. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Andrews Three. I'm on Facebook, Facebook.com, Andrews, and uh, do a lot of business through uh, Facebook, Instagram. I'm also on Twitter too. All right. Well, I tell you what, James, you have been wonderful, and uh, I we uh, I just sent the uh, I just sent all our ho- our co-hosts uh, with the uh, the picture that you sent me, and it looks awesome. And uh, I'll tell you what, I actually look. I, I just hope that uh, when I hang that painting up in the studio, people won't be throwing darts in my picture. <laughs> I guess you're pretty well loved down there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just like everybody says. Uh, and I also, uh, I like the icon. I also like burnt toast. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, James. Uh, thank you very much, man. And I'll, I'll hook up with you, and uh, we'll uh, I'll start making payments on that picture. I do appreciate, it, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm gonna have somebody uh, send it out to you on Friday then. <laughs> All right, thanks, buddy. Take care. All right, if you want to forward the information from the, the film guy, then we can get that on the back end there, too. All right, thank you. I have it, James. I already sent you sent you mine. Okay. All right, thank you, Bye. sir. Thanks. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. All there. right. No problem. And you will be back on again. Uh, James Enders is our guest, ladies and gentlemen. That was fun. It looks like our first, our next guest is uh, on the line. We need to take a quick little time out here. We'll be back after these messages, so stick with us after these words. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Kens FM. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle as we go back to our roots, as they say. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the independent wrestling extraordinaire the man that beats everybody, one, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Logan Xavier. Hey, this is Lethal Logan Xavier. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Kent FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Holster, the big swing, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Well, thank you for joining us, sir. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? 
Good. Hey, uh, here's what we're going to do here. Uh, we are going to do a uh, we're going to do a little round table. I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll then we'll go to Granny, then we'll go to Scott. But before we do that, give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll have a little fun with you. Sure. Okay. So I've been wrestling professionally since 1998, uh, which is actually quite a long time ago now. Um, I uh, opened my uh, promotion, Millennium Pro Wrestling, in 2001, and I opened my uh, wrestling academy, uh, the Millennium Wrestling Academy, in 2012. And we've been operating ever since then. Uh, Right now, we we have our our school in Chatsworth, California. We've got a 3,000-square-foot arena there. We run classes Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights, and every Friday we run a live show. So that's that's the long and skinny of my career summed up in about ten seconds right there. But that's that's my my current activities in pro wrestling are mainly related to training and running of my promotion in my school. So now, with that being said, as a uh, I, I guess you can consider yourself not only a promoter uh, or not only a trainer but a promoter. Let me ask you this: What kind of promoter would you say that you are? Are you more like a Vince McMahon that? Sends the troops out there, does the stuff. Are you like a Paul Heyman who uh, stays behind the scenes and gets involved every once in a while? Or are you more like a Triple H who, when someone's starting to get really over, then he uh, ends their career? <laughs> I would. I mean, in, in, in you know, in in, uh, in having to pick between all three of them, I would say I'm more like Paul Heyman than anybody else. Uh, I don't. I don't wrestle that often anymore, um, not because I can't. I mean, I'm 42 years old now, so it's not – there is some wear and tear on my body, but it's mostly because I don't want to take a spot away from uh, my guys who are training in in their early 20s um, that are, you know, coming up in the business and have aspirations to go on to maybe some bigger and better things or whatnot. So I – from a a promoter standpoint, I really want – it's about the overall product try to make it as good as possible, but I also want to give as many of my students an opportunity to perform as I can. And, you know, I've, I've been running weekly shows for like eight years now. Before when I started, I was running, you know, road shows here and there, kind of the traditional indie wrestling. Okay, we run once a month at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, but eventually when I started getting, I got my own building. My, my first building was 900 square feet, so it fit about 60 people you know, uh, if, if, if it was packed in there, we would run every Friday night, regardless of whether we drew 60 people or nine. So my, my students that started training in me, then they had, they were getting 52 matches a year, no matter what, uh, without having to venture out in any other promotions or anything like that. So I've got guys who've been, you know, wrestling for me for the last seven, eight years, they got four or 500 matches now. And that's not, that's not really attainable regularly, um, unless you're really putting your out there uh, quite often. So, you know, when you say what type of promoter and I, I'm one who wants the business to make enough money so that it maintains itself and that we can continue to grow. But I also put a lot of emphasis on developing the individual that's training for me. Uh, Logan, if you can take as our guest here, we got about uh, 28 minutes here with our man. Let me ask you this. When you were wrestling, you mentioned that you don't wrestle much anymore. But when you were mm-hmm. wrestling, would you more, were you more of a, a high-fire high like Rey Mysterio? Were you like a technical wrestler like Bret Hart, or were you like a brawler like a Stone Cold Steve Austin? Well, by, by necessity, I had to be a, a high-flyer because when I started in 1998, I was 17 years old. I was 5'10 and about 135 pounds. 
And the business was very different back then than what it is now. And it's so funny because it's now I, I sound like an old timer. I go, well, back in my day. But when I came in in 98, that was like, you know, everybody was 230 pounds or bigger. There weren't a lot of really, you know, kind of small guys out there. And really, I mean, anybody that you saw on TV was a bigger guy uh, back then. So I had to be high flying because there was no other way for me to be conceivably believable to knock down a 230 pound man unless I was, you know, flying off or something or putting using a move where all my body weight was behind it. So that was that was my style then. Uh, it's you know it hasn't changed a hell of a lot over the years. I'm more like you know 200 pounds now. I would still be considered on the small side for my era, but nowadays I'm actually one of the bigger guys because. <laughs> I mean, now I, we have a ton of guys that are, you know, 160 pounds or, or uh, you know, in, the, in that ballpark. So, yeah, it was it was kind of by necessity back then that I had to be a high flyer. Well, as the American Dream, Dustin Rose used to say, baby, back in my day, I used to go out there. I was the second most recognizable athlete next to Muhammad Ali. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, ha- uh, I, I'm having an issues, so I can't really do my best Dusty Rose, but uh, I'm going to yeah. ask a few more questions, then we'll go to uh, Granny and Scotty. Uh, so sure. now, when you wrestled, were you more of a heel, a baby face, and in between, <clears throat> or you're more of a crowd guy? I had to be no, I had to be a baby face because I mean, and again, you come out when you're when you're small, you come out to get booed. It's like it's kind of implied you're going to get your your butt kicked anyways. Um, so I and I always thought it was more challenging to get the, the crowd to cheer for you than than it was to get them to boo you because basically if you don't boo you, you hit the curtain first, you come out and you start you know jaw jacking with the fans, they'll they'll hate you pretty easily. But to get them actually cheer for you, I thought found that was more challenging, especially you know when you're doing road shows and it's like this particular audience first time seeing you and they've never encountered you before, or probably maybe never will again. Um, you know, trying to establish your character and get them to actually be on your side. That was that was more uh, appealing to me. That's awesome. Now, Grandy, uh, I know how much you uh, you don't like the heels. And unfortunately, no, I don't. Well, he, he, he's a baby face, so this won't well, get quite as interesting. <laughs> yeah, this won't get quite as interesting as it normally would, but what do you have for our <laughs> guest? Uh, we have our man here. Uh, we have... Uh, Logan Xavier, and we're on 89.1 Kids FM. We got uh, 24 minutes. Go ahead, Gray. What do you got? Well, thank you for being on. It's a pleasure to have you on with us tonight. And and thank I thought it was right. I do not like the heels. Granny can talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to because they like to say to me, "Oh, lady, you better sit down and shut up before you break a hip, or don't you have a curfew at the nursing home?" I had a wrestler the other night, last night, as a matter of fact, over at an independent show in Oklahoma, where I go mm-hmm. quite often, because I, I live in Arkansas. Okay. And uh, we went over to Tulsa. I have a, I have friends that do independent wrestling shows for kids that are fighting childhood cancer. For the past mm-hmm. almost twelve years, they've been doing this, so it's pretty awesome. But. He looked at his watch, and he says, Granny, isn't it time for you to get back to the old folks' home? And I said, no, it's not. But I said, they've got a bed waiting for you, Zach Royal. (laughs) I I like that. (laughs) So, you know, I I never know what these guys are going to say to me because, you know, I've always just got to be one step ahead of them. But uh, anyways, I guess my question to you is, when you did wrestle, if you could have had any kind of dream match, 
what kind of match would you have wanted and who would you have wanted your opponent to be? Well, so it's funny you asked that question because I did get my dream match, and I'll, and I'll give you a little bit more history because you mentioned you mentioned the heels and then and you know and saying stuff to the old ladies. One of my mentors in professional wrestling uh, was Rowdy Roddy Piper, and I oh wow I don't I don't know how familiar you are with the history of what he actually went through, but he was actually stabbed three different times over the course of his career because he drew so much heat. And I believe it yeah. was an old lady that stabbed him once. Believe that or not. So, oh wow! Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, Col- so, uh, Colton and, Toombs. Is, Colton Toombs is a good friend of our show. Okay, so I so I I I've known Colt for a long time. Uh, I I uh, I actually helped him with some community service years ago that he that he had to do. He's he's a good dude. So I will I'll, I'll lay this out then. So there's a documentary film out about my life and my my career uh, and. Roddy Piper was actually a big part of it. Uh, it's, it's Unpinned is the name of the movie. It's U-N-P-I-N-N-E-D. It's available on Apple iTunes, YouTube, and a bunch of other different uh, streaming services out there. And basically, when you ask me about my dream match, I, as, as, as a career, I've actually been a police officer for 20 years. And so uh, during, the, during the course of my police career, I've continued to wrestle. And so at one point, I had a... Uh, I think it's the first and the only hair versus badge match against the guy who trained me. His, uh, his name was Cincinnati Red. Uh, I wrestled him in 2010, uh, and it was his long, flowing red hair on the line against my police badge. And Roddy oh, Piper wow. actually made an appearance. Roddy Piper made an appearance in that match. Uh, there was a, a you know the big running at the end by a couple of heels, and Roddy came out and and knocked him around and whatnot. But so that's. Anybody that wants to view that, that's still available for viewing on, uh, like I said, on, on the streaming services out there. If you just look up Unpinned Movie or, uh, you know, uh, unpinnedmovie.com, you can get some more information on where that is. But uh, that, wow. that was my dream match. Was, was my, it was my trainer's last match before he retired. Uh, he since passed on, unfortunately. Um, but that was, that was the match I always <clears> wanted to have, was a match with him where it was some high-stakes thing, and then, you know, my childhood hero, Roddy Piper, makes an appearance during the match. That's awesome. So it was a hair, so it was a hair versus a badge match. Was uh, Vince Russo your booker? No. Really? We drew well that night, so I don't think Vince had anything to do with it. <laughs> uh, the... the that's awesome. I'm sorry. I just I just couldn't resist that because uh, uh, Vince Russo keeps refusing to come on our show because he thinks he's better than us. But I, I have news for him. He's not. Uh, Logan Xavier is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. Uh, in just a few seconds here, we need to uh, take a quick little legal timeout. But uh, before I introduce you to uh, our other co-host, uh, Scott Hand, he's a... Uh, you know, you're an independent wrestler, and he's an independent film director, so we have a lot of independent things going on here. Uh, we'll continue this interview after we, uh, after we play these messages. We'll be right back. Stick with us. As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you who value public radio and have become a member. Your donation continues to allow us to support local artists and musicians and play the music you want to hear, not what advertisers think we should play. It enables us to broadcast feature story news so you can hear the news, not opinions. Public radio doesn't have an agenda. We're not in the business of pushing our point of view. 
Our mission is simple. Reflect your interests, not the interests of some corporation. If you believe that having an independent, non-commercial, public radio station in your community is a good idea, become a member now. Find out how by visiting our website at www.kensfm.com. And remember, independence has a cost, and it's as little as $10 a month. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And once again, our guest right now is Logan Xavier. And we have, uh, well, we have a good amount of time left. We have about uh, 19 minutes here with our buddy here. So, uh, Scott, I know that uh, you're not much of a, a wrestling fan, but you guys do have something in common. You guys do stuff independently. Uh, Scott, what do you have for our guest? Go ahead. Uh, you mentioned uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, I remember him from They Live, John Carpenter's movie. Yep. Yep, uh, and and actually it was an independent uh, documentary filmmaker that made that documentary about me. So independent filmmaking, that's no joke. That's quite a quite a task that you got there where you have to put everything together with, you know, virtually no financial support from anybody else. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully you can uh, put the projects out that you want to. Yeah, well, I, I did my first short film a few years ago, and that's that's getting some good buzz. I'd done trailers for another short film, and then. I'm in post-production on my first feature film, which is a werewolf movie called Lycaean, and we're we're in music scoring now. So we figure we're going to be wrapped up on that probably probably by the end of August, and then we'll be able to get it out there and hopefully get a good distribution deal. And then I'm sure you know Scott is promoting my next film, The Black Tent, and uh, he's got a role in that, he and uh, Matthias. Good. Well, you know, again, the more collaboration, the better, and, and – you know, one of the things that we ran into during the, the filming of this documentary is because Piper was in it, we, we ended up using, you know, a lot of, not a lot, but footage from WWE, and we had to make sure that we weren't going over, over the fair use uh, stuff on it. And so we had to cut out some of it and kind of trim it down. But by the time it was done, we got it all kind of squared away. And It's just so much to do. People, people underestimate how much work you'd actually have to do to put a film out there. And so when you said, you know, music scoring, it's like, yeah, you got to, find a composer and then all that. And it's just, it's just a nightmare. So I, my hat's off to you for being able to take all that on. You have to have a lot of passion to do this. You know, you have to really be driven. You know, I I always tell everybody that, you know, unless you really believe in it, you know, and I, I I direct my own screenplay. So I write and then, you know, I take it from there and, you know, I produce or co-produce. I'm co-producing on the black pen. I'm not the actual producer this time. Um, we do have somebody else on board that's taken that, and um, it's going very well. It's been in development for, I think I wrote the first draft about four and a half years ago already. So it was one of those things where I had to do some things in between in order to get to, you know, to get people to believe in me and, you know, uh-huh. put some money up behind it and, you know, get behind this. And a lot of people seem to always get very excited when I when I explain my vision for the movie because uh, – you know, when you get to, you know, real financial people, you know, not, not talkers, they get very specific, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's always when I have that, I realize I've got somebody genuinely interested. And then, you know, I start to tell them that, you know, I'm doing differently this time, which is why I need so much more money, and they, you know, in addition to 
getting, you know, bigger names, you know, uh, to go along with some of the smaller names, the, you know, individuals that very talented people that I enjoy working with. And uh, the thing is, I'm doing German expressionism this time. So that's leaning into Tim Burton territory. So once sure. you start telling people that, they get excited. So, sure. I mean, it's, well, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because. Mm-hmm. People, people want to see a return on their investment, like you said. Money people who actually know what they're what they're talking about, then yeah, they're gonna they're gonna kind of they're gonna kind of want to hear more specifically what the plan is. And and we ran into the same thing when we were filming Unpinned. Is the, the the production company was putting it out. They're financing themselves, so it was we go. Then he ran out, you know, run out of money. Got to do a few more projects to kind of build money up. You put it back in the other project, and it was kind of this kind of revolving door for a while until it until it. Uh, until things materialized, but I think it was about fifty grand by the time it was done, and that's that's really cheap compared to you know what some other stuff costs. So I I can just imagine it being a nightmare. You know, one of my friends, he's he, one of my friends, he's trying to get his rom com made, and he actually sunk, I believe, over three hundred thousand dollars of his own money just to get this thing in the yeah you know the pre production stage. You know, mm-hmm. and he's got a budget yeah. of like I think five five million dollars. You know, for this mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, he's just hoping that the dice. Right, and he's he's being writer, producer, director, and star. You know, Jeez. on top of it, I'm just like, yeah, I listen to him. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I, I just yeah, know, you know, I just feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know my first feature movie. I'm like writer, producer, director, co-star, and I was totally overwhelmed. I'm never going right. to do that again. Trust me. Right. You know. Yeah, it's a learning yeah. curve. You know, when you think you can do well, all that stuff, and then you get a big right. surprise. And that's one of the reasons why I don't generally wrestle on my own shows anymore uh, is because there's just too much going on. So in addition yeah. to freaking up the spot for somebody else, that also is just one less thing that I have to do on show day versus, you know, I mean, especially when I was when I was wrestling, I would usually put myself in the first match because I could go get it over with and then run the rest of the show. But even that's complicated because there's, all kinds of things that come up. So yeah, sometimes when you when you're wearing too many hats, you, you spread yourself out too thin, and then things start falling through the cracks, and that can't happen, especially when you got you know big money invested in it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, and it's the thing too. You know, making short films is a lot easier than doing a feature length. You know, with the short film, when I write, you just need your beginning and your end, and you're good to go. You know, just a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, and it's a lot of fun. You know, with a feature movie, everything's got to be fleshed out. You got to have your characters fleshed out, situations thought out carefully. So you go into a lot more drafts, you know, on a screenplay, right? And it's like ever changing, you know. Like right now, you know, I think I had written, I can't remember, it was like three full drafts, maybe some tweaks here and there, and we were, we pretty much were thinking we were set, you know. And right. then when we went out to, you know, get money and people started to look at it, the real people that wanted to see the movie, they said it's great, we love the story. But the script needs a little bit more work, you know, mm. which is fine by me. You know, I, I have no problem with that. Good collaborators, you know, are wonderful as opposed to, you know, somebody that just wants to throw their ideas in there just to get their ideas in there. You know what I mean? Right. So right. luckily, you know, our situation, we don't have that. We, you know, we the guy I'm working with is you know, really collaborative, very creative. Uh, it's, it's, it's going very well. It's actually, this is a process. It's getting better. You know, I'm kind of glad it's been delayed. Yeah. Uh, Logan, yeah, so Logan Xavier's our guest here. Hmm? Sorry about that. Logan's our, Logan's our, Logan Xavier's our guest here on 89.1. Uh, 
Kent FM. We got about the 12 minutes here with Logan. And for those of you who listen to our uh, show on a regular basis, you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, like that. Go to 89.1 Kent FM page, like that. Do a $10 a month donation, Power Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win an autographed picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. And uh, Logan, I believe he might be able to send us a few for giveaways. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So now, I. W- we won't spend too much time on this because it's like it's, it seems like it's uh, it's it's an interview here, and we want to keep it there. But how did COVID affect your promotion? That was really challenging, and so the the, the building I'm in, I'm in I, my 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 wrestling arena. It's uh, it's on the second floor of a giant indoor rock climbing arena. This place called Boulder Dash SFB out in Chatsworth, California, and so that's probably thirty thousand feet. I'm on the second floor up there, so basically the only entrance into my my uh, my place is through through Boulder Dash. So when when COVID hit, we had to shut down, they had to shut down, and it, quite honestly, if they if they had charged me rent because I you know I, I subleased from them, if they if they said hey you got to pay the entire time that we're shut down, I would have had to close the business. Fortunately, they they knew. You know, I told them, you know, kind of up front, I said, I'm about six weeks ahead of the bills here. You know, uh, if, if you really want to want to tax me on this, then I'm not going to be I'm not going to be here, not going to be viable. So we were closed down for, you know, a year and a half, something like that. And when we opened back up, uh, it was it was basically Boulder Dash was in such dire straits that that part of what helped them stay open was that we were still there and that. I was able to, you know, kick my rent back in, and that helped them make make their rent. So it was really kind of unfortunate. Um, you know, we had moved this new building about a year before that, and really, I mean, from what what I what I've experienced, it takes about a year to really build the building up so that anybody knows that you're there. And we had kind of just done that; we were drawing really well. And so then, when we opened back up, it was like this period of time where. People weren't really going to shows. It, it, there was a lot of trepidation about live entertainment. And so, you know, everybody's showing up wearing a mask and whatnot, and that was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't our regular-sized audience. So that's taken – it took about a year after COVID was over with before we really started to see our, the same numbers that we had beforehand. So and now we're drawing real well. Um, now we're drawing, you know, kind of full houses almost every week, and that's – that's just kind of a testament to, to my crew and how hard they work and my staff and the, and the wrestlers and, and, you know, the hard work that we put out. But it was it was a difficult situation there for a while. Without uh, giving uh, ticket prices, if our fans want to come see a show of yours, uh, what can they expect, how often are the shows, and where do they go? Uh, the shows the – shows, uh, take place uh, in, in our arena at 19801 Nordoff Place in Chatsworth, California, uh, inside Boulder Dash on the second floor. They can expect the best live pro wrestling action that they're going to see. We usually put about six matches on per show. Um, shows are about two hours and 15 minutes to two and a half hours, depending on, uh, you know, the length of how everybody does that. And we found that that's kind of the sweet spot because, certain, you know, certain road shows you get eight matches, ten matches, something like that. Sometimes the crowd tends to burn out. So we found in a weekly show where we draw pretty much on the same audience, sticks, get in, give them, give them some real heavy action, and then they can go out and have. So, so that is, uh, that's what they can expect when they come to see a, a Millennium Pro Wrestling show. 
Well, let me ask you this, and I, uh, our fans are waiting for me to say this. If uh, if the icon were to show up at one of your shows, or the granny were to show up at one of your shows, do you think maybe you can get us a ringside seat or a backstage pass? Oh yeah, for sure. If you guys ever showed up, I'll make sure that you get the VIP treatment. I'll get you. I'll get you the coldest water I got. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but we'll t- we'll take care of you guys. You ever you ever want to come down and show any Friday night, you're more than welcome. Hey, hey Grant, do you think you could have some fun with the heels in California? Oh, I think I could. I would love that. Well, you're always you always welcome, Grant. Always welcome. To come would you bring? Would you wearing your shirt and bring your belt? Well, I don't have a belt. That's not my belt. That you know, that I was just a picture of somebody's belt that they let me borrow that night for the show. But I, I don't have my own belt. So. But you do have your own shirt, though. Well, my original granny shirt. What you gonna do when Granny Holster goes crazy on you? <laughs> I like that. Uh, Logan, yeah, you can definitely wear that. <laughs> uh, Logan and Xavier's are getting to our So, yeah, so Logan, so we can do this so we don't forget. If our fans want to check you out and see it, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? We have everything. So basically, any platform that you're on, please search up Millennium Pro Wrestling or the Millennium Wrestling Academy. We do have separate pages for the school and for the promotion because they are, even though they're they're you know they're both you know owned by the same person, they're essentially not separate businesses. But the promotion is the promotion where you're going to get all the info about about the wrestling, and the the, the school is about training. So again. We are on anything that you can conceivably find. All you have to do is type in Millennium Pro Wrestling or Millennium Wrestling Academy. You will find us out there. I could throw out 30 different hashtags right now, but I don't want to waste our time on that. It's just whatever platform you're on, if you search that up, you'll see it. Now, do you, uh, do you plan on uh, ever doing, like, uh, taking your show on the road, or are you just going to stay at home? Well, so I ran road shows for years, and, it, you know, the, the logistics of that are, are harder than uh, – it's, it's, it's so nice. Again, for the last seven years, I've had my own building. I, I show – when I when I get there, the ring is already set up, the guardrail set up, the seats are set up. We, you know, all I have to really do is turn the lights on and maybe the air conditioner. But other than that, pretty much everything is, is taken care of. Road shows, I mean, again, if, if we were – if we were drawing uh, where we were selling out every week and we need a bigger place, then, yeah, then it might be likely to do that. But, again, we're, we're, we're drawing pretty comfortably right now. Uh, we still have some more room to grow in the, in the place that we are. So not, I'm not necessarily going to take the show out on the road unless there was a real viable reason to do that. Um, and it's just the logistics of it. I mean, it's, you know, not having to set a ring up and take it down every show is, is a blessing. So. That's awesome. Logan, Logan and Xavier is our guest here. we only got a few minutes here left with uh, uh, Logan. One, one other quick question I'll uh, ask. You mentioned that you do do some training. If, uh, if our fans out there that are listening that want to become wrestlers and want to be trained by you without uh, giving, uh, of course, prices, what would they expect? How long would they expect to hang, train with you? Uh, and what would they be able to get out of it? So basically, my uh, my training program right now consists of uh, we we train Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. I have a different trainer each night. Uh, uh, on Mondays, I, a guy named Seth Skyfire trains over at our location. He was signed with WWE for several years. He held the OVW Tag Team Championship with CM Punk. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Danny Devine is our trainer. 
Uh, Danny came up through our system. He's been wrestling for about eight years. He's our homegrown talent that has turned into just he's just on a tear. And uh, he he teaches Tuesdays, Wednesday nights. We have a guy named Ray Rosas who's I think 14 or 15 years uh, wrestling in the business, and he's kind of a Southern California legend out here. So, you know, I, I have different trainers so that they, the, the students get a varied experience and get all kinds of different uh, different wealth of knowledge. Uh, we guarantee that you will wrestle on our shows if you stay in the program long enough to where you're proficient to be safe when you're in the ring. And that timeline varies on people's athletic ability and their aptitude and different things like that. But I will say that anybody that started that, that stayed in the program for for a long enough period of time does appear on our show. So that's something that we offer that most wrestling schools can't, is that there is a, a specific transition to wrestling right on our shows as opposed to other places that kind of spit you out and then you got to go find your own work other places. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Xavier, you are the man, you are the myth, you are the legend, and I do appreciate you taking um, – time out of your schedule with us one thing one last thing i'll put you out uh put out to you uh before we uh discontinue here uh if you have any wrestlers that uh would want to be interviewed or up and coming that you think would uh be uh great interviewers uh let me know i'll put them on the show and then we'll give them their first taste of an interview i think that's great that's tremendous and I, yeah i'll reach out to you offline here and give you give you a couple of different names because we've got several people who i think would, would fit that bill all right, you're awesome, buddy. Thanks for taking time on your schedule. Uh, go pin down those students, all right? All right, thank you very much. All right, Logan Xavier, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, this is going to be great coming up here. Uh, we have uh, a guest that Scott knows real well. Here's how we're going to handle this one. Uh, we're going to take a quick little commercial break, then we'll come back. I'll interview our next guest for a little bit, and then we'll bring Scott on, and then we'll talk about the film, and then we'll uh, see if we can get Granny uh, a job baking cookies for the cast. But So stick, stick around for that. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. We will be right Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website www.kensfm.com and under the more merch tab you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order get yours now while supplies last we have these in limited quantity so order now at www.kensfm.com and we are on 89.1 Kens FM so stepping out of the green room walking down the aisle a man that's going to tell us a little bit about acting a little bit about this a little bit about that Ladies and gentlemen, he just recently had his birthday on February 21st. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Brent the Moore Gaskin. Hey, 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 this is Brent Moore Gaskin, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live, Monday on 89.1 Kins FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the modern nightmare, Matthias, and the big swing. Let's go. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us, taking time out of your schedule to be with us. How are you tonight, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm doing awesome. Got a lot of great things cooking in the pot. 
and a lot of great things coming up. Um, looking forward to uh, the third quarter. Uh, get to go to New Jersey and make some things happen. Yes, sir. Yes, well, here's how are. we're going to do this. Uh, here's how we're going to do this, Brent. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Then we'll do a roundtable. We'll have Granny ask a few. And then uh, we're going to bring uh, a guy, I think you know, his, his name is Scott Hand. Have you ever heard of him before? I think I have. Um, I did see a poster somewhere. I think his face was on it. Yeah. Maybe a, a back of a cereal box. I'm not sure. But, yeah, sounds familiar. At least it wasn't in the post office, right? <laughs> Yeah, I know Scott Scott Hand. Yeah, awesome guy, uh, a, a great human being in my lifetime. Uh, great guy, great vibrations, great frequency, a real good spirit. Um, I like his attitude. I love his persistence. Um, it's something that we do have in common. Uh, very persistent when we go after something. Um, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. So yeah, I know Scott Hand. Awesome director. Looking forward to working with him. Brent Gaskins, our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM. we got about uh, 39 minutes here with our buddy. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we're going to – the reason why you're here – one of the reasons why we're here, we're going to talk, talk about the black tent. We're going to get to that at the end. But uh, one thing yeah. I do want to ask you about, uh, you know, you've been uh, – you've been uh, – made a couple cameo appearances in some big films, uh, Jumanji, The Next Level, uh, you've been in uh, Rain, uh, The Eyes of Tommy Faye, uh, average Joe. I, I mean, you, you, you've been in a lot of uh, cool uh, different films. What is it like being an extra in blockbuster films like that, like working with The Rock, for instance, or seeing The Rock? Okay. Uh, it, it's an awesome experience for me every time because I love it. Like being on the film set for me is uh, that's when the little kid in me gets to gets to have fun and do what I love doing. Um I've been on Marvel sets. I've uh, been on DC sets. I'm, uh, I did a, a appearance in Black Lightning. Uh, I'm in uh, Wakanda Forever as a Wakandan scientist. I did get to see myself on the big screen. I got got I got a couple of shots in there. You see me. Um, I'm in uh, Captain America Three: Civil War, um, Avengers: Endgame. Um, yeah, man. So being on those big sets like that. And getting to, you know, meet the people and some of the characters that I grew up with, because I was in the comic books real big with my brother Joe, who used to babysit me in Brooklyn, New York. And that was one of his methods of babysitting was giving me comic books. So I was always reading and about Marvel and DC and superheroes. And in my mind, you know, as a kid traveling to different planets and all these powers and stuff, but being on those sets with those people, it's an amazing experience. Um, I got to meet Chris Evans leaving wardrobe. I got to meet uh, Robert Downey Jr. on the set of Avengers Endgame. He walked up to me. We had a a nice little conversation. Um, Got to work within like five feet of uh, Scarlett Johansson on Captain America 3 Civil War. Never got to meet Chadwick Boseman personally, but on Captain America 3 Civil War, we exchanged a little bit of Wakanda Forever on the set and we all giggled like little girls because that was Chadwick Boseman, you know what I mean? So, yeah, man, it's it's an awesome experience. It's an awesome experience. 
Uh, Brent Gaskins is our guest here on ADI.1 Kids FM. we got about uh, 30, uh, 37 minutes here with Brent. So i got to ask you, when you uh, were on the set of Jumanji 2 and you met The Rock, you went up to The Rock and said, so, uh, Rock, you want my autograph? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, on the set of uh, Jumanji, the next level, um, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the characters that when there's a glitch inside of the game, our crops completely disappear, and there's three of us standing in the field, and I'm the third guy to the right holding a, a basket, looking at all of our crops go away like in a millisecond. So, uh, no, I, I did not get to meet him, uh, but that was a fun shoot because they had to do a lot of 3D, which means they stood us uh, in one position and put these cameras around us, and it took all kind of angles and shots for the CGI and stuff like that. So that was, that was amazing. I wish I would have met uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson. Um, that that would have been a great experience. I've been following his career since he's uh, been a wrestler. Um, and uh, moving forward now, he's doing real good in film, so salute to him. Well, that's because you inspired him. Yeah, and uh, he. I think he even got me drinking uh, <laughs> his drink. Uh, what was it, Terramana? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's some Brent good Cassidy, stuff. Uh, we're on uh, 89.1 Kids FM. we got about 35 minutes here with our man. Now, I'm going to ask you about one other film, then we'll do a roundtable, and we'll come back to me, and we'll, add, we'll talk about uh, the movie uh, The Black Tent here in just a second. But now, you were also in the Suicide Squad. Did, we, uh, how, did you get to meet Margot Robbie? Um, no, I didn't. So for the Suicide Squad, I did what was called camera test for Idris Elba. In other words, um, we they put us in uniforms, man, and they had fire hoses running up to a scaffold about 300 feet in the air. All these fire hoses hooked up to it. We had like 10 wardrobe changes. Uh, basically, when they're doing camera testing, they're testing the light, the amount of water, the amount of pressure. They, they write all that stuff down. So when it actually comes time for them to film and then Idris Elba steps in place along with Margot Robbie and all of the other uh, principal actors, they already know exactly what settings they need to set the cameras, the lights, all of that stuff to adjust so that they can go ahead and shoot through the scene very quickly. So I did um, camera tests and stand-in for Idris Elba on Suicide Squad. So I guess uh, you gave uh, new meaning the word taking a bath on set. Man, did I like <laughs> when I say soap? I mean, if you can imagine, if you can imagine, uh, if you can imagine something the size of almost uh, half of a football stadium, and all of the bars above your head are dropping down nothing but water that they can control the pressure and how much is coming down, and you're in uniform and you got your weapon and you're marching and you're trying to look mean and nasty like the right stuff <laughs> over and over again, but it was exciting. I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. I embraced it. I was happy for the water. It was a hot day. So whenever the rain came down that they simulated, yeah, I was ready for it. I was ready for it. 
We have uh, Brent Gaskin, our guest here. Uh, we have uh, the man here, and uh, we got about uh, 33 minutes. I wish it were 33 more years, but we're going to get everything uh, fit in here in the next 33 minutes. Uh, but, uh, Brent, I want to introduce you to my first co-host. Uh, it's Granny Hawkster. Now, uh, I told her that uh, you actually uh, got to uh, play uh, chess and checkers with The Rock, but uh, because The Rock is one of her heroes. So, Granny, what do you got for our guest? Go ahead. Granny, are you there? I know she's there. She might have went to go get a little sip. You know. Well, yeah. I, um, <laughs> a little hot well, body. Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, uh, well, you know, I'll tell you what. She always talks about people saying it's time to go go back to nursing home or whatever. Well, well, well when she uh, comes back on... When she when she comes back on, we'll we'll, uh, we'll uh, have her ask a question. But uh, now, uh, Brent, uh, you I'm know, here. Uh, okay, I'm here. Uh, uh, were you go. baking cookies for our guest? No, I was just I was just wrapped up in the conversation, just listening. All right, so yeah, you have a question for our guest? Go ahead. Well, um, gosh, I'm gonna. What has been one of your most interesting involvement in acting that you've ever done in your career? Okay. Well, he can't answer that yeah, because he and I haven't been on set together yet. <laughs> oh, Icon. Yeah, that's really? right. That's right. We, yeah, yeah, that's that's up and coming. But the next runner-up, <laughs> um, the next runner-up, um, oh, man, I, I just finished, finished a film called when first we practiced to deceive by new trick films, uh, Glenn Robertson out of Cornelius, North Carolina. And I play, uh, Mickey, who's a, a bodyguard. He's a, uh, he, he's the bouncer for the club. He's the club owner's right hand man. He's the muscle. Um, that was an interesting role. There's, uh, another movie coming out, um, this weekend coming up called Mafietta two, a house divided by E.W. Brooks. Now, in that one, oh, man, I, I play a hardcore, cold-hearted, cold-blooded gangster in that. And that has Claudia Jordan in it from Real Housewives of Atlanta, Deal or No Deal. That one has uh, Willie Taylor, the, the artist, the music artist from Day 26. He's in a lot of films now, great actor, great skills, great chops, great student on the set. Um, uh, Jack B. Nimble with uh Steve Wallet and Byling and Vernon Wells. That that one that that project pulled my heart into it. I actually became an associate producer on that project. Um because of the of Steve's story behind the movie. He lost so much prior to making that movie. His dog, his his wife and his best friend, like all within a short period of time. And that movie was made on a commission from his wife who told him, hey, buddy, here's a, I, I got a policy with this amount in it. You keep talking about making a feature film, stop talking about it and go do it. So I played his the, – the character that I played in Jack B. Nimble was his real-life friend that died. So that was um, – Jack B. Nimble was uh, all kinds of experiences and emotions for me. That was a, that was a great – project um 
that, uh, you know, he believed in me enough to carry the part and trusted me as a, a business partner being an associate producer. Um, yeah, Jack B. Nimble. Um, I, I've done a lot of films, that, and I've had a, a different experience on each one, so many different films and so many different experiences. But um, Jack B. Nimble, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of, I call it my baby, and we made it a SAG, SAG-made movie. So I, I put a lot into it as an actor, as an associate producer, as an investor, um, and uh, so my, my heart is really into that one. And, that, and that's, out, that's like everywhere. That's on all platforms. It's free on YouTube right now through uh, IndieWrites, our distributor, uh, Roku, Amazon, Tubi, you know, all of those. So, yeah, Jack, Jack B. Nimble, um, I've got a lot of great projects. Uh, that one stands out a lot. That one stands out a lot. Um, contrarily speaking, um, good grief. Um, Mr. Mercedes with Patrick Fugit and um, Madeline McGraw. She played in the uh, the Black Phone, the little girl, the sister. Um, I met a lot of nice people on a lot of great sets and a lot of great experiences. Uh, they they each have their own, but as I have grown up as an actor and evolved, and I'm producing now, me and my partner Ebony Joy with Amethyst on Fire Entertainment LLC. Um, I, that one is the one that I, I feel like I have my hands on the most. And uh, like I said, that's why I became an associate producer. That's why I invested in it. And my promotions company, English Promotions LLC, we're currently doing the PR marketing and promoting for the film. So I, I, I really have my heart wrapped around that one, Jack B. Nimble. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. Brent Gaskins, uh, uh, Gaskins is our guest, <laughs> the more, if you will. Now, uh, we're going to bring uh, Scott uh, Hand in here. Now, uh, Brent, I know that uh, we talked about this earlier. We were kind of joking about this earlier that uh, you know um, Scott real well. But, uh, Scott, I'm kind of curious. Where did you find – how did you first hear about this handsome, debonair, six-foot, two, 215-pound actor, pure, pure baby-faced? Where did, you, where did you first hear about this guy? Where did you first see this guy? I actually met Brent at New Jersey HorrorCon in Atlantic City at the Showboat Casino. He was there promoting Jack B. Nimble with Steve Wallet and Michelle Brown Houston, and I think it was a few other people as well. And that's how I met Brent, and I had a conversation with all those guys at the table, and they were talking about Jack B. Nimble. I was talking about Lycan at the time, of course, the Black Tent, and Steve Wallet. Um, you know, he came on board for the Black Tent. Um, and then, you know, uh, Michelle Brown Houston, as you know, you've already interviewed both of, the, both of them, Stephen. Her, she's our production manager as well as our actress playing the role of Vera. And Brent and I had started to talk about this at the Horror Con, and then all kinds of other things were happening. And then I got back in touch with Brent a few weeks ago to remind him that I was still interested in him to do this. And he wanted to see the script. I sent it to him. And Brent, you you liked that draft of the script? Was that where we were? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I got the script. Um, uh, an, another thing that I I me myself personally, uh, because right now I don't have an agent to represent me. So me and my partner Ebony Joy, I, we represent me. 
she's my acting coach as well, graduated from New York Film Academy. So once I read the script and then you and I talked further and you told yep. me some of the other people who were attached to the project, yep. and here comes again Steve Wallet, Michelle Brown Houston, who was the one who put me on the Jack B. Nimble, um, and then John McClung. I uh, worked with yes. him on Jack B. Nimble. And some of the other potential names that I won't mention unless Scott mentions them, I've worked with some of them as well, and I, I do hope that they uh, end up coming on board because uh, we already – it's already strong, but with, with, with what's been positioned, this is, this is going to be – this should be a huge blockbuster. This should definitely yes. be a huge blockbuster. Yeah, you know, Brent, I was it's gotten so much better. Brent, I was told not to. Uh, I, I was told not to mention this, but I can't. Uh, I can't stop myself. But uh, is it true that when Scott approached you about the black tent and he told you that the icon was going to be in the film, that's what made you want to be part of it? Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up. I was trying to, you know, keep it on the back because I'm now currently interviewing, you know, on your on your on your radio show. I, I, you know, and I didn't. I didn't want the. I didn't want your fans to think. You know, favoritism or you know, nepotism, nepotism, whatever. <laughs> so I didn't want to mention it. So I was trying to lean into Scott since you brought him in on the call. But now you done dumped it out there. And yeah, when Scott <laughs> told me that you as well was going to be on the project, I was like, don't even say nothing else. Send me all the paperwork. I'll sign everything blindly with my hands behind my back. Uh, it doesn't matter. You ain't got to pay me. As a matter of fact, I'll pay everything myself. You ain't got to give me nothing. I, I'll bring my whole family. Uh, you know, yeah, bro, that's, that's, that's what happened. There, there you I, go, I mean, bro. Brent, can I, can I actually just tell them, I mean, Scott, as soon as Brent knew you were in the movie, Brent just said, don't worry about it. I'm just going to produce the whole film myself just, just to be in it with yeah, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't even do a fundraiser. Don't do a pitch deck, none of that. I got it. Let's go. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, the, the, icon, the icon does bring the best out of people. And, uh, Brent, uh, the check is now in the mail. And, uh, yes, I will be carrying your bags when we're on set. Uh, I appreciate it. No problem. They will be light. <laughs> well, yeah, unlike, uh, unlike well, and we'll we, won't, we won't talk about those bags. But, anyway, uh, Brent uh, Gaston is our guest here. Now, for those of you who uh, listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, 89 Point one tens FM like that. Go to Attitude Era Monday Live Monday like that. Do a ten dollar a month donation to Power of the Tower. We'll get you an autograph picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. Uh, Brent, uh, I think you are uh, going to be sending us a few, uh, aren't you? Autographs? Yes, I am. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to send you uh, a few things. <clears throat> also, too, uh, I'm going to reach back out to Steve. Um, I have some dead cards that was made uh, by the company that makes the dead cards for The Walking Dead. So I have uh, some dead cards I, w- I-, I can also send in, too, as uh, some some gifts for your listening audience. Well, you know, i got I got to tell you, uh, Brent, uh, The Walking Dead is my wife's favorite show. Uh, believe it or not, she actually would rather watch, get this, she would rather watch Walking Dead than hang out with me. Can you believe that? <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> when you're married, you, that seesaw has to be balanced. So you got to give up something to get something. Um, right. The Walking Dead comes on at a certain time. 
uh, you got DVR, you got recording. Um, you can you can you can purchase it, and uh, it's, it's always there. Um, I don't know. Maybe sometimes she, you know, she should join you, and then sometime, you know, go ahead and let her get her popcorn and her drinks and her snacks, and let her let her do her Walking Dead thing. And sometimes you join her. Well, the sad thing is, I'm the one that has to make the popcorn. <laughs> Uh, uh, Brent Gaskins, our guest here on 89.1 Kids. You know, one thing uh, I am looking forward to uh, about uh, the Black Tent is not only uh, experiencing being part of the set, and uh, uh, Scott has mentioned that I had to bring uh, Matthias with me to help me mind my P's and Q's, because uh, I'm one of these guys that, uh, and I'm going to ask this to you, uh, now, you know, you, we, we talked about you being on the set with a lot of famous people like, uh, you know, on Suicide Squad and uh, 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 Captain America and all that. Now, what is the etiquette as, an, as a fellow actor being on set with these people about uh, asking, uh, asking for autographs, talking to the stars? What, what is the unwritten rule for, for that? Okay. The unwritten rule is this. <clears throat> Um, crew does all the work. You don't touch nothing. You don't move no tables. You don't put your hands on nothing. You don't pick up nothing. The the only time I've made a move to help crew with something is when I felt like someone was in danger. Something was falling and they were trying to catch it by themselves or whatever. I ran right over. I don't care what nobody had to say. I'm not going to let you get hurt in front of me. I I don't care nothing about Nothing else. We can sort out everything else as long as everybody gets to go home that night. Um, when it comes to the principles, unless you're a principal yourself with lines, you, you don't you don't talk to the principals. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying hello. I say hello when I'm passing people. That's the way my mama raised me, and nobody's movie said it's going to change that. I speak to everybody. Hello. Nothing wrong with that. Um, now, if a person who has lines, a principal actor or actress, if they approach you and engage the conversation, you got all you got all rights. Is 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 they 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 fired the first shot. Shot fired. Now you could you can go in. Um, if um, and also too sometimes too though, if there's a production assistant that sees a principal talking to you a lot of times they will assume you stop them. But I've been stopped by principal actors and actresses before um, having small conversation that they initiated. I was walking past minding my business. And then a PA saw it, a production assistant saw it, and ran over and immediately assumed that because I'm background or in the role of background or extra, that I was the, I was the minion asking, you know, the king for a couple of crumbs of bread of their presence, and that wasn't the case. So, you know, when, I, when I'm when i on a set and, and we're doing the set, I tell my people to be mindful and be respectful of each other, no matter what the situation is. Um, if, if you speak to somebody who they feel like you shouldn't speak to, you shouldn't get cursed out for that or none of that. Someone should walk over to you and say, hey, um, you know, it's set policy that, the principals aren't disturbed because they're memorizing their lines. They're thinking about how they're going to carry out their lines for that next scene, um, how they're going to say it. 
they got all that stuff going on in their head, then the director might be giving them a change or two immediately while they're in the scene or while the scene is developing. So they got all that going on. That's why they don't want you interacting with them. So that's the that's the normal set protocol. You don't approach them unless they approach you. If they approach you, all gloves are off. You're welcome to say hello. If you say hello and they say, hey, how you doing? And you say, I'm doing fine. And then they keep carrying on the conversation, then you can keep talking. But normally they're memorizing their lines. They're trying to get it right for the director so that nobody's on set all day. Um, you don't talk to them. Me, when I'm a principal, I do talk to the background, actors and actresses. That's awesome. I'll so, tell you what, that is, that is, that is very informative and very um, uh, very inquisitive, and I do appreciate that advice. Now, one thing I would like to ask you, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you do talk to the background because you're an outgoing guy. Uh, there, there is one picture I saw of you i got to ask you about. Uh, there's actually two pictures I saw of you, and you're in uh, full military gear, and you got this cool helmet on. What what set was that? Oh, uh, full military gear. Uh, what? Uh, oh, uh, assault gear. Like I got my yeah. gun and stuff. Oh, yep. that was under the dome. That was under the dome. Um, the last, <laughs> the last episode when the when the dome came down. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was on the assault team. Yeah, I've, I've got some pictures up on social media in reference to Under the Dome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing about, uh, the, and, of course, this is kind of an ego question. I, I, I'm, I don't know if Scott told you in about, uh, I might have a little bit of an ego, but uh, on the set, I You're promise, the icon. Scott. You're supposed to. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, my my one question I, I got to ask you is: uh, I had made you a cool collector's card. I got to ask you what you thought of that. I'm sorry. One more time, you made me a cool what now? I, I made you a, a collector's card uh, for your appearance oh, on the yeah, show. Yeah, I gotta yeah. ask you what you thought of that. Oh yeah. Listen, that collector's card is straight fire. Um, I'm looking at it right now, so. That collector's card, the the big picture of me looking like I'm screaming and stretching out, that yeah. was done at a studio uh, by um, a photographer named Miles Darden, Miles Darden Photography. And one of the things I've always been excited about and always have had a love for is the vampire story. Um, I have a character. And that character name is actually already in a few movies that I'm in because as part of the production team, I was allowed to choose my own character name. So you're going to see the name of a character that's a vampire, and I do have a story behind it, um, an origin story, and uh, it, 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 I'll probably develop it into a series. But, um, yeah, man, that card is, is straight fire. Yeah, that card is straight fire. That well, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about that. You want to you want to start your own series. You want to like uh, have it like a, a series like CBS, NBC, or ABC, or uh, like Netflix. Oh well, um, when I develop a pro a project, the first place it goes if I if, if we develop if me and my partner with Amethyst on Fire, Ebony Joy, if we develop a project. 
it goes to my Roku channel first. I'm not putting my content on someone else's network first when I have a network my own. I have my own we have our own Roku channel. It's called Amethyst on Fire TV Roku. So that's the first place it's going. So I'm not fighting to get distribution. That's 70 million households. That's 111.7 viewers monthly. Then I have the backing of my promotions company. That's another 266 million in the metaverse between Facebook and Instagram. So the first place is going is on Amethyst on Fire TV Roku, and I don't have to fight for that. And I got that channel purposely for independent filmmakers to have a place to come where they get paid per click, and they don't have to wait till a million views go by before they start getting money off off of my channel. So that's the first place it goes. But it would be a series style like what you would see on a Netflix or a Roku or any other other digital platforms. It would be in that in, in that in that fashion, and it would be um, it would be a a series of serious content. It, it would not be a comedy. It would be a series of serious content. And you know with that with that being said, uh, Brent uh, Gaskins, our guest here, Brent Moore Gaskins. As a matter of fact, I love his middle name. Uh, it's awesome. When you when you uh, go out for uh, a role, uh, do you do you, have, do you have an agent that says, "Hey, you'd be great for this," or do you hear about it and just like, "I I can nail that. I can go out and get that." What is your process? Well, the first well the first thing is is when I see the description for the role because that's 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 called the breakdown. So when I see the description for the role, if they say looking for an African American male, eighteen plus. They don't if they don't put a year where it ends at. I'm 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 plus eighteen, okay. Uh, African American male. They tell me what the height requirements are. Uh, sometimes they'll give the full wardrobe, like the waist got to be a thirty two, thirty two, whatever. And then sometimes they'll say, you know, we're looking for this race and this age group, this gender. So if it fits me, that's the first thing I look at. If it fits, if it fits me. Then I look at where it's at, where it's located, um, what, it, what it's going to cost me to go and, and make that, that project happen. Now, understand something. When I first started in this business in 2015, I went after every background role or extra role or featured role that was offered to me. Because in my mind, I knew I was building an acting resume. Some people do background two or three times, and they see the difference between them on set and the principal actors and actors, actresses in the crew on set. They see the difference sometimes in the food is being served, how, they, how they're treated, chairs, air conditioning, fans, or whatever, and they say to themselves, I want that. Okay, great, nothing wrong with that there's a way to go get it. But some people want to jump from doing two or three films here. Now they want to immediately jump into a speaking role. So what I tell people is trust the process. In 2015, Captain America 3 Civil War, June 24th, 2015, my first movie set. Shortly after that, I became homeless. But guess what I did not stop doing? I did not stop acting. And you didn't take no for an answer either, right? Sir? You didn't take no for an answer either, right? Oh, absolutely not. When I applied for my unemployment, when I got that, I paid people to take me to Atlanta, Knoxville, Tennessee, 
to film the TV series Fatal Attraction, um, Charleston, South Carolina, um, Atlanta, Georgia, Alabama, wherever there was filming going on and I had the resources to get there, I went. I had a lot of people help me. I hate to hear people, I hate when people say I'm self-made. Nobody in this world is self-made, period. Nobody. And I'll just, I, we can have a conversation. I'll debate anybody about that. But there's a lot of people that helped me along the way when I was homeless, gave me money, uh, gave me cars, credit cards, uh, the Darby family, uh, Colette Darby, um, a lady by the name of Lil Oden helped me out tremendously. Um, my queen, Ebony Joy, she's one of the reasons why Amethyst on Fire TV exists. We, we believe in each other's dreams. I invest in her company. She's invested in mine. Um, there's a lot of people that helped me along the way. Friends, people sent me Cash App, PayPal, whatever, helped me. Helped me with uh, uh, catching the train in Atlanta, bus fare, Ubers, Lyft, taxis, you name it. People helped me. So, uh, yeah, I never gave up. And that's what I tell people. It's never too late. I started this at 48, and I never gave up. I did a lot of this through homelessness. You know, I'll tell so, you, I, uh, uh, Brent, I'll tell you what, I, um, I, I, I know I shouldn't say this because this is going to sound really bad, but uh, the way that you're talking about that uh, is kind of getting me a little emotional because, uh, you know, in my opinion, there's not enough people helping out other people these days. Every, everybody seems to be doing their have their own agenda, and you know no one wants to seem to help anybody. Uh, would you agree with that statement, or am I, am I out base on that? No, um, I, I think you know if if you look at let's just let's just let's just keep it within the United States. In the United States, there's probably over. I'm sure there's over 100,000 churches, right? So right. you got all of these people in this country. You know, people say this is the greatest country in the world. I beg to differ. Um, Hawaii is totally different from just the, the, the United States alone. Hawaii, when we went there in April, was like a whole other country. Um, as many people as there are in this world, as many billionaires and, and, and multimillionaires that we have right here in the United States, as many celebrities, pro football teams, pro athletes, football, baseball, all of that's good stuff. We still have people who are homeless in the streets, but there are animals in shelters that eat every day, that get bathed, that get their nails cut. But we got people walking around on the street homeless. And uh, we have a nonprofit that my queen started, Ebony Joy, called Queen Circle. And that nonprofit is to help homeless and transitional individuals and families with their total care. Every resource that people give us that we can provide to them, that's what we do. We have cooked food in our house, made hot dinners. We found out all the hot spots where all the homeless people are in Gastonia, North Carolina, and we had one person to go inside of the camp where they're camped in the woods and tell everybody else to be back here in one hour and deliver them hot food and meals and stuff. Clothes, umbrellas. Hey, Brent, I'm going to ask you one thing. 
Brent, I'm going to ask you one thing. When you and I are on set together, and hopefully uh, it, uh, we will be on at least, I don't know, maybe an hour or a couple hours, but uh, maybe uh, like uh, in between takes or whatever, like like on a break or something, maybe uh, you and I can hang out for a little bit and just chat, you know, just one-on-one a couple guys, you know. Absolutely. I'm I'm always willing to do that with anybody. I'm always willing to do that with anybody. 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 Now, I, I, yeah. I believe Scott is back. Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, Scott. Look, and I'm not just Brent. I'm not just saying this because you're on. But I'll tell you what, Scott. I think you have found the the diamond that's going to make this project shine. And I, I know I like to talk a big game, but I'll tell you what. I Brent has humbled me. I mean, yes, yeah. yes, I have an ego. I admit that fully. But listening to him speak, listening to him talk is so inspirational. I mean, I do, everybody knows I do a lot to help people. I'll I'll help people whenever I can, no problem. But I'll tell you what, the way that Brent laid it out, the way that he described, Brent, the way that you described it is just such an emotional, heartfelt message that everybody should listen to. Absolutely. And, and, And believe it or not, Scott, let me just interrupt you right here real quick. Believe it or not. When I first became homeless, I put it up on social media because I was following a plan, all right? And I had people immediately jump in my inbox. What are you putting up there that you're homeless? You need to take that down. That's embarrassing. It became embarrassing to the people that didn't help me. That's who it became embarrassing to. So I tell people, this is my story. Can't nobody tell me when, when or when not to share my story. You understand what I'm saying? This is what I went through. This is what God told me in 2015, you're getting ready to be homeless. You're going to go on a journey. I'm going to give you a glimpse of what the end is going to look like if you go on this journey. I'm just going to show you a peek. That's it, because you can't stand no more if I show you any more. But you have to go on this journey because there needs to be some separation. You are carrying people with you who you love, but they don't love you back. When you had it, when you had a pocket full of money, or when you had that good job making good money, they were there. But now that you are really, truly homeless, I. God said, I'm going to show you a separation of the sheep and the goats. I'm going to show you who's for you, and I'm going to reveal to you who is against you. And there are some decisions that you are going to have to make about letting some people go. That is, and I that followed is it, awesome. and I followed it, and I followed it to the letter, sir. I had to that let people go. I, yeah. That is very awesome and very inspirational. Unfortunately, we only got about the 60 seconds left. So, our, uh, so if our fans want to check you out, uh, Brent, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, or TikTok? What do you got? Yes, sir. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. All of them under the uh, all of them under the name of either Brent Gaskins or Brent Mora. M O O R E R. Very important. My father's paternal name, Mora, from the Moors. 
Northern Africa. That's very important. That's why that name is part of my professional name, Brentmore Gaskins. On all platforms, email Gaskins at gmail.com. We have the TV channel, cleaning service, nonprofit, and a few other things. Reach out to me. I'm very personable. I'm very reachable. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, the icon. Thank you, Granny Holster. Thank you, Matthias. Thank you, uh, one other person, the big somebody, the big big, big swing. Yep. The big swing. Yeah, the big swing. Thank you, guys, for allowing me to be a part of your platform. Thank you, Scott. And Scott Han and Scott, I look forward to seeing you on set, buddy. Absolutely. I can't wait to meet can't you. Wait. Thank you. All right. Uh, Brent Gaskin, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what, man, I have never been so inspired uh, than I was with that interview. And as a matter of fact, I cannot wait to replay that interview to all uh, our fans. Uh, I'm going to put that up. I'm going to edit it, and I'm going to put it up and uh, say, hey, this is the interview that uh, made our show what it is today. Uh, well, we only got a few minutes here left. Uh, uh, Scott, I want to thank you for filling in uh, for Matthias and the Big Swing tonight. And, uh, Granny, mm-hmm. I know you're going to be here with us next week. Now, Scott, now the whole goal by the uh, by the time we start filming is to make you a part of the Ten Timers Club. So we've got four more appearances to get you back on. So we're going to do that. Uh, but right. uh, for our fans here that are listening right now, here and now, uh, remember, uh, love each other, care for each other, come back and see us every Monday night on 89.1 Kens FM from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I do have a big announcement. It has been official. Bozo the Clown is going to be on our show in two weeks. That's right. The man himself, Bozo the Clown, is going to be on this show talking to us. One of my childhood heroes is going to grace the airways in two weeks. So stay with us for that. Uh, in the meantime, I want everybody to know that we love you, and you guys are the best part of 89.1 Ken's FM. That's our fans. You support us, and we love you, and we will keep entertaining you every single week. So until next week, remember this. It's not goodbye. It's just good night. We'll see you all next week, and Be safe. Until then, we'll see you all. Take care once. Until next week. We love you. Take care. You think you know me. Come on.
Yeah, this is a 